like that. That's a whole lot better. I was uh, studying the promises of God this week, and my prayers lined up with one of the promises of God. And my prayer was, Lord, bring me joy. And the scripture that he gave me was this, in Psalm 16, verse 11. He said, you make me known the paths of life. In your presence, there is fullness of joy. In your presence, there is fullness of joy. In your presence, there is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures evermore. And it was a fantastic promise that meant that about what it means to be in the presence of God. And I looked at the context of what David was saying. And a verse right before that says this in Psalm 16, 3. says, For the saints in the land, they are the excellent ones, in whom is all my delight. As for the saints in the land, they are the excellent ones, in whom is all my delight. David believed there was something special about being with God's people. He loved being with the saints. The word excellent means to be the best. Like the best people that David knew were people who were believers in Jesus Christ. Let's just say it that way so we can get an understanding. David loved being with the saints. He delighted in them. And this attitude is missing a lot in Christianity today. We can be so negative about the people of God. And we can not see any excellence in God's people. The best people that I see all week long are you. I'm going to say it one more time because I didn't get any response. <laughs> the best people that I see all week long are you. Paul put it this way in 1 Corinthians 3.16. He says, do you not know that you are God's temple and that God's spirit dwells in you? That's the presence of God. If anyone destroys God's temple, God will destroy him. For God's temple is holy and you are that temple. If Jesus Christ is your Savior, the Spirit of God indwells you and you carry the presence of God wherever you go. That means when we gather together, there is a whole lot of people filled with the presence of God and that should bring us joy. In fact, your attitude towards being with other Christians in church is a way you can measure your relationship with God. And so some of you might be thinking, this is nuts. What is he saying? I've been around Christians. They're kind of weird people. Let me just read the scripture for you. 1 John chapter 4, verse 20, the Bible says, If anyone says, I love God and hates his brother, he's a liar. For he who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. And this is the commandment we have with him, that whoever loves God must love, also love his brother. Then it says, Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ has been born of God, and everyone who loves the Father loves whoever has been born of him. We should love each other. I mean, we should be excited to be together with people who carry the presence of God. Now, if, you, if you're not that excited, it might just be that you just don't know God yet. We want you to get to know who He is. We want you to see through us the love that we have for each other is the same kind of love that He will have for you. That's how people see who God is and how awesome He is. So I just thought I'd throw this out here. Did you look forward to coming to church today? And on your way in, did you talk really good about the people that you were going to meet? Wherever Angelo, wherever Angelo is, good luck today. But I thought about that, how cool it would be if your kids heard you talking positively about people you were going to meet. Not just people on the platform, but people in the pews, people sitting next to you, people who you see every week, and you're just excited to be together with each other. First John tells us that those who love the Lord love the company of those who will also love him. Because in his presence is the presence of his people. And there is the fullness of joy in being together. So here's what I want you to do. I know it's COVID. I know that freaks some people out. But I want you to stand with me real quick.
And I want you to look to somebody that you look forward to seeing today. Now, if you didn't look forward to seeing anybody, you just keep looking at me. <laughs> but if you look forward to seeing somebody, or maybe you met somebody that you thought, man, I could like that person. Just respond to them. Just wave at them, or you can go see them if you want, unless they're uncomfortable. Just say, I'm glad you're here today. I'm glad you're here. I was, I was looking forward to seeing you. You bring me so much joy. And some of you are like, this is getting really creepy. <laughs> We're just obeying the scriptures. We want, we want you to know that we can love each other and we care for each other. And Bruce is... <laughs> I, I was looking forward to seeing you today, Bruce. I really was. Not so sure now, but I really was. No, I'm kidding. I love Bruce. <laughs> and I'll stay in the corner. Let's pray real quick. Father... It is a joyful thing to be gathered together with people who carry the presence of God. Because I know the peace they have and the joy they have and the comfort they have because Christ is their Savior. And I know that if they can love you, they will love me. And that's what this is all about. You gave your son to die on the cross to pay for our sins because you so loved the world. And we want to share that love with those who may not know it. So hopefully today, everybody feels your love and the joy of your presence. We love you in Jesus, we pray. And all God's people said, let's worship. Jesus, we love you. Yes, we 
Till from heaven you came running There was mercy in your eyes To fulfill the law and prophets To a virgin came the word From a throne of endless glory To a cradle in the dirt Sing praise the Father Praise the Son Praise the Spirit Three in one God of glory Majesty Praise forever to the King of kings To reveal the kingdom coming And to reconcile the lost To redeem the whole creation You did not despise the cross for even in your suffering you saw to the other side knowing this was our salvation Jesus for our sake you died so praise the stone was moved for good for the lamb had conquered death and the dead rose from their tombs and the angels stood in awe for the souls of all who come to the father are restored and the church of christ was born then the spirit lit the flame now this gospel truth of old It shall not kneel, it shall not faint By His blood and in His name In His freedom we are free For the love of Jesus Christ Who has resurrected me Praise for
Hello, everybody. Good morning. Uh, please just have a seat real quick. We have four ways to give here at New Life Church. The mailbox, the giving box, the website, and our church center app. You guys all know. We talk to you. I tried to think of a clever way to look in the Bible about you know, our relationship with money. There's many, it's cited many times, uh, this great idol that's always in our face. But I wasn't driven to actually talk about that. You know your responsibilities. You know God is responsible for you. And so I just want to greet you with a song. So if everybody, if you could just close your eyes real quick. Let's just listen to this song. 139 about our all-knowing, ever-present God. Lord, you have searched me and known me. You know when I sit down and when I stand up. You understand my thoughts from far away. You observe my travels and my rest. You are aware of all my ways. Before a word is on my tongue, you know all about it, Lord. You have encircled me. You have placed your hand on me. This wondrous knowledge is beyond me. It is lofty. I'm unable to reach it. Where can I go to escape your spirit? Where can I, where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to you in heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in Sheol, you are there. If I fly in the wings of the dawn and settle down on the western horizon, even there your hand will lead me. Your right hand will hold on to me. If I say, surely the darkness will hide me and the light around me will be night, even the darkness is not dark to you. The night shines like the day. The darkness and light are alike to you. For it was you who had created me, created my inward parts. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I will praise you because you have been remarkable and wondrously made because I have been remarkably and wondrously made. Your works are wondrous and I know this very well. My bones were not hidden from you when I was made in secret, when I was formed in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw me when I was formless. All my days were written in your book and planned before a single one of them began. God, how precious your thoughts are to me. How vast the sum is. If I counted them, they would outnumber the grains of sand. When I wake up, I am still with you. God, if only you would kill the wicked. You bloodthirsty men, stay away from me who invoke you deceitfully. Your enemies swear by you falsely. Lord, don't I hate those who hate you, and I detest those who rebel against you. I hate them with extreme hatred. I consider them my enemies. 
Search me, God, and know my heart. Test me and know my concerns. See if there is any offensive way in me. Lead me in the everlasting way. Lord, there was just a huge spectrum of our ancestor David right there in his description of you and how you are with us and his roller coaster of emotions and his thoughts. Lord, I thank you for this psalm. Thank you for blessing the mind of David so that we can read it now. Father, I ask for the same imaginative, creative, uh, even emotional, uh, emotionally chaotic relationship he had with you uh, and everybody here today, just to know every single part, not that we ever could, but just to get to know you, Lord. That your spirit search our heart and yours and so that we can come together. Lord, as our, our musical worship continues and that in the tradition that David has given us, I ask for this to be imparted on everybody here. That we dwell on who you are and what you've done for us with the knowledge that we were well known by you even before we know who we were. Lord, thank you. Bless us. We ask for this blessing. Convict us, because that'll be a blessing as well. Humble us, and we will exalt you. Thank you, in Jesus' name. Amen.
giants fall For fear cannot survive when we praise you The God of breakthroughs on our side Forever lift him high With all creation cry God we praise you
spun creations, his pride and adoration, treasures woven by his love. His careful hands, they hold us safe within his promise of calling and of destiny. We're heaven spun creations. His pride and adoration, treasures woven by His love. His careful hands, they hold us safe within His promise of calling and of destiny. And I will sing of all you've done and I'll remember how far you carried me from beginning until the end you are faithful faithful to the end heart that's for me a never-ending story of love that's always chasing me his kindness overwhelming and hope for me unending he's never given up on me so I will see Oh 
And I will sing of all you've done And I'll remember how far you carried me From beginning until the end You are faithful, faithful to you close your eyes if they're not already closed I want you to think about this last week I want you to replay last Sunday last Monday Tuesday Wednesday Thursday Friday yesterday was there a point last week where you received love and support Was there a person that offered love and support last week to you? I want you to just replay that in your mind. I want to encourage you that God is at work in your life. God is placing people in your life to love you, to support you, to come alongside of you, that God has your best in mind. As Kayla plays, would you just take a moment and just thank God for putting that person in your life, for making that thing, whatever it was, happen this week. Let's just take a moment and just thank for it. Lord, we thank you that every good and perfect gift comes from you. Holy Spirit, we thank you that you are protecting us and carrying us with all the strength and all the power that you have. Lord, I thank you that we're here today. God, that we can focus on you. Amen. You can be seated. I am pumped to be with you this morning. Cool. It's good times, good times, all right. Um, we are in a series talking about um, your inner superhero. Pastor Andy has been preaching. I don't know. I just wanted to summarize it. If you haven't figured out what he's talking about, Pastor Andy wants us to trust God. Come on, come on, turn to your neighbor and say, you can trust God. Come on, you've got, you've got neighbors, Derek. You've got neighbors. We are, we're talking about faith. We're talking about trusting God. Uh, uh, several weeks ago, um, I was in the Rooted class. Come on, Rooted. Do we have any Rooted? Yeah? 
Um, and Pastor Andy was sharing and, and he, you know, posed this question to us and he says, um, what, what gets in the way? Like what's, what's between you and trusting God? Um, and what is the obstacle? What, you know, what things stop you from trusting God? And, you know, I finally, you know, I, I raised my hand. I was like, my bad memory. Come on. How many times has God helped us out? How many times has God come through for us? How many times has God made a way where there was no way? But in this situation, I just forget all that. Right? And now, and now it's, it's back on me. And I have to take care of my family. And I have to fix this problem. Anybody? Anybody else have a little amnesia? Right? Some bad memory. Right? Which is exciting that you're here today because hopefully... The whole purpose is that we refocus on Sunday and say, Jesus is the way. Jesus is the way. Let's follow Jesus. Maybe you got off course. Maybe you're way over in the ditch. We don't know. But let's, let's redirect ourselves back to God. Amen? We're going to go through a story in Genesis. If you've got a Bible, open it up. If you've got an app on your phone, go ahead, open that up. Um, we're going to be starting in Genesis. And I have the luxury of getting to study for like six weeks, eight weeks, 10 weeks. Pastor Andy just says, hey, you know, in a long time, I want you to preach. Awesome. So I have been reading Genesis, the story of Jacob and Joseph for weeks and weeks and weeks. Um, and I just want to say this is completely, it has nothing to do with what we're talking about. Um, but Jacob's family is a mess. Like, just read through Jacob's family. There, there is not, like, one stepmother. There's four, okay? It's just a complete wreck. Anybody come from a family? If your parents are here, don't raise your hand. Anybody here come from a family that is a little bit of a mess, okay? <laughs> I did not see Derek raise his hand. You guys are good. You guys are good. Um, my parents don't watch this, so yes. Let's, okay? We are going to be starting in Genesis 37, and we're going to be talking about Joseph. Has anybody ever watched the, uh, the Prince of Dreams movie? Yeah? Okay. Complete garbage. All right? It pays... It <laughs> Has anybody ever read the actual Grimm stories before? Yes? And then you watch the Disney version? Okay, that's what we're talking about here. Okay, this is the grim reality. And the Prince of Dreams is kind of like this nice, like, oh, beautiful, wonderful. Joseph was a great guy. No, he wasn't. Okay? Back, back to faith. Joseph finds himself in three different pits throughout his life. And his faith gets him into that pit every time. Every single time that Joseph gets himself into a pit in his life, it is because of his faith, okay? We're going to go through that this morning. Genesis 37, here we go. We're going to start in verse 1. So Jacob settled again in the land of Canaan, where his father had lived as a foreigner. This is the account of Jacob and his family. When Joseph, isn't that just so interesting? 
This is the account of Jacob and his family enter the tenth child. You know which child, Jacob's favorite. This is the account of Jacob and his family. When Joseph was 17 years old, he was a punk, arrogant and full of himself. Oh, nope, that was a comma. He often tended his father's flocks. He worked for his half-brothers, the sons of his father's wives, Bilna and Zilpah. But Joseph reported to his father some of the bad things his brothers were doing. I don't know if in those days they had the phrase, snitches get stitches, okay? But Joseph was a 17-year-old punk, all right? Um, and he snitched on his brothers. Verse 3, Jacob loved Joseph more than any of his other children because Joseph had been born to him in his old age. So one day, Jacob had a special gift made for Joseph, a beautiful robe, but his brothers hated Joseph because of his father loved him more than the rest of them. They couldn't say a kind word to him. Anybody? Is this bringing up childhood trauma? One night, Joseph had a dream, and when he told his brothers about it, they hated him even more. Listen to, listen to this dream, he said. We were out in the field tying up bundles of grain. Suddenly, my bundles stood up, and your bundles all gathered around and bowed low before mine. Joseph is an idiot. He's not very bright, and he's incredibly arrogant, okay? He, he is assuming that they are all cool with him being better than them. And this is how they responded. His brothers responded, so you think you will be our king, do you? Do you actually think you will reign over us? And they hated him all the more because of his dreams. And this is where I want us to focus. The, and the way he talked about them. Now, we don't know if God gave Joseph this dream. We don't know. It doesn't say. But we do know that the way that Joseph was using the gifts and the things that were going on in his life created some hatred by the way he talked about them. Soon, Joseph had another dream. And again, he told his brothers about it. Come on, Joe, you can be better than this, right? Has anybody ever watched this happen where somebody is doing something and you just think, man, that mistakes were made, mistakes were made. And then you watch that person do it again. And you just think, yep, you're an idiot and you deserve everything that's coming to you. Soon Joseph had another dream, and again he told his brothers about it. Listen, I have had another dream. Do you guys want to hear about it? No, Joseph, we don't. The sun, the moon, and the eleven stars bowed low before me. This time he told the dream to his father as well to his brothers, but his father scolded him. What kind of dream is that, he asked. Will your mother and I... And your brothers actually come and bow to the ground before you. But while his brothers were jealous of Joseph, his father wondered what the dreams meant. 
it's probably important for us to talk about Joseph's position in this family. So Joseph has a ton of brothers, okay? Lots of stepbrothers or half-brothers. And long story short, Joseph has become the heir apparent to Jacob's family, all right? There's a special word in there. If you go back and you read the story of Jacob and Esau, that is in there as the, the birthright, okay? It actually gives you an extra, an extra inheritance that you are the heir apparent. You're the one who's going to be taking over, except Reuben is the one who should be doing that. Reuben is the one who has the birthright. But Joe, or Jacob actually gives it. He says, ah, I'm going to pass over all of you guys, and I'm going to give it to Joseph. So Joseph didn't make that decision. Joseph didn't make up these dreams, right? But it was the way that he dealt with it, the way that he used it, the way that he perceived himself about it. And he goes about, and he's like, oh, man, well, I'm the heir apparent. I've got a cool you know, extra jacket that my dad gave me. I'm the heir, apparent, the heir apparent. I can just pretty much say whatever I want. But that didn't turn out so good for him. And we're going to just, I'm going to summarize real quick. Jacob's sons go out. They're tending their flock. He says, hey, Joseph, I want you to go check on your brothers. Joseph is on his way. Long story short, they see him and they're like, hey, there's that kid that we hate. Let's kill him. Really, really sincerely. And if you think they're kidding, they had already slaughtered an entire town of people. I told you that Jacob's kids were messed up. They are, they have no problem killing people. So they're like, hey, let's kill them. And then instead of killing them, they say, actually, let's just throw them into this pit. Has anybody ever been, feel like you've been thrown into a pit before? People who you think should be bowing down to you actually turn around and push you into a pit, into a hard situation, feel like they stabbed you in the back. Can you imagine what... Joe is thinking, being pushed into the pit. He's like, it's fine. It's fine. They're going to pull me out. It's just one of those pranks. You know, they're just kind of ribbing me for that whole thing. My dad is going to come save me. I'm the heir apparent. Do you ever have a hard time trusting God when you're in the middle of a pit? And you think, ah, oh, yeah, this is, it's going to work out. It's going to work out. It's going to work out. And then it doesn't. And instead of it working out, instead of Jacob coming and saving him, instead of his brothers pulling him out and say, hey, we taught you a lesson. Stop being a punk. Instead of all that, they say, hey, actually, let's make some money. They sell him into slavery. And he gets carted off to Egypt. We're going to fast forward to Genesis 39, okay? So we have this situation, and it's going to cycle over and over again in, in Joseph's life, where he gets elevated, he has faith, he gets put into a pit, and then he gets elevated again. He has faith, and then he gets put into a pit. 
And then he gets elevated. Anybody ever feel like you're on a little bit of a roller coaster? Hey, ooh, hey, ooh, hey, ooh. Right? Up and down and up and down. In our rooted class, Joey brought up this thing. He goes, hey, guys, this week, um, share your, what did it, was it? Peaks and pits. Peaks and pit, pits. When things are going great, things aren't going great. Things are going great, things are not going great. So now, Joseph has been thrown into a pit. He hears his brother saying, let's kill him. He's like, ah, they're not going to kill me. And then they didn't. They just sold him into slavery. So now he is in Egypt. Genesis 39. When Joseph was taken to Egypt by the Ishmaelite traders, he was purchased by Potiphar, the Egyptian officer. Potiphar was the captain of the guard for Pharaoh, the king of Egypt. The Lord was with Joseph, so he succeeded in everything he did as he served in the home of his Egyptian master. Potiphar noticed this and realized that the Lord was with Joseph, giving him success in everything he did. This pleased Potiphar, so he soon made Joseph his personal attendant. He put him in charge of his entire household and everything he owned. And from the day Joseph was put in charge of his master's household and property, the Lord began to bless Potiphar's household for Joseph's sake. All his household affairs ran smoothly and his crops and livestock flourished. So Potiphar gave Joseph complete administrative responsibility over everything he owned. With Joseph there, he didn't worry about a thing except what kind of food to eat. Now, Joseph was a very handsome and well-built young man, and Potiphar's wife soon began to look at him lustfully. Come and sleep with me, she demanded. But Joseph was righteous. Joseph said, no, no, I would not do such a thing. Has anybody ever heard this story played out this way? That this cougar comes after Joe, right? He is barely old enough to consent, all right? And this cougar comes after him, and he is so righteous that God is with him. He is carrying the presence of the Lord that he could not do such an evil thing. Has anybody heard that version of this story before? Right? In youth group, it was paired with flee from youthful lust. Yes, yes. Purity. But I am going to kind of throw Joseph under the bus by reading the actual account of Joseph. But Joseph refused. Look, he told her, my master trusts me with everything in his entire household. No one here has more authority than I do. He has held back nothing from me except you. How many me's and my's are in that sentence? My master trusts me. Anybody ever feel like you have earned the place that you are in? Anybody ever feel like, yeah, I've earned this. I deserve to be here. There's no way I'm going to screw up my position. I'm not going to leave this job. I have seniority here. My trust, my master trusts me with Everything is in his entire household. No one here has more authority than I do. I am pretty hot stuff. And as a secondary thought, also I think God wouldn't like it. Are we all reading the same scripture? 
Is it possible that Joseph is more concerned about his ego and his position? He is waiting. It is so incredibly possible as the heir apparent that he is waiting for his dad to come find him and bring him home. And he might as well have a cush job while he does it. I'm not, going to, I'm not going to do this evil thing because it is going to jeopardize my position. I don't think that Joseph was super concerned about what God thought. I don't think that Joseph was super concerned about, about really anything but himself. He had faith in himself. It says throughout here, his whole life, that God was with him, that God blessed him, that God was with him, that God blessed him. Has anybody ever thought, yeah, I earned this. I did this. I am where I'm supposed to be. I am good at my job. I, I, me, mine. Faith got Joseph into all the pits that he was in. But I'm going to throw it out there that maybe, just maybe, Joseph's faith wasn't in God. Joseph's faith was in himself. Joseph's faith was in his position. Joseph's faith was in everything that he had earned. He was entitled. Dare I say privileged. That Joseph was like, I deserve this and I'm not going to jeopardize my position well it doesn't matter okay because he ended up in another pit long story short this cougar goes after him she 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 doesn't sleep with him he runs away like a good little christian boy okay and she frames him we're gonna catch up in genesis 39 verse 19 so potiphar was furious when he heard his wife's Ridiculous story about how Joseph had treated her, so he took Joseph and threw him into a pit, into the dungeon, into prison, where the king's prisoners were held, and there he remained. But the Lord was with Joseph in the prison and showed him his faithful love. And the Lord made Joseph a favorite with the prison warden. Before long, the warden put Joseph in charge of all the other prisoners and over everything that had happened in the prison. The warden had no more worries because Joseph took care of everything. The Lord was with him and caused everything he did to succeed. But is it possible Joseph didn't realize that? This is now the third time that Joseph has been elevated. Things are going well. Sure, it's in prison. Okay? Isn't it interesting how like one word can change everything? (laughs) Jacob, (laughs) Joseph is a model prisoner. Just doesn't have the right ring to it, right? And Joseph is in prison. He's already been in the cistern where his brothers threw him. He's already been at Potiphar's house, and he knows that he's got the stuff. He maybe just thinks that that stuff is him and not God. So Joseph is in the prison. He stays there. Long enough for people. I don't even know what things running smoothly in a prison even looks like. 
Like, they were not the prisons we have today. All right? I don't think that there was a mess hall. I don't think that there was, you know, a laundry room. I don't think they had librarians that came by with books. Okay? It's very unlikely. But Joseph is in prison long enough for people to notice there's something about this kid. There's something about this kid. And gosh, I would like to have him do my job, says the warden. Genesis 40, verse 1. Sometime later, Pharaoh's chief cupbearer and chief baker offended their royal master. Pharaoh became angry with these two officials, and he put them in the prison where Joseph was, in the place of the captain of the guard. They remained in prison for quite some time, and the captain of the guard assigned them to Joseph, who looked after them. While they were in prison, Pharaoh's cupbearer and baker each had a dream one night, and each dream had its own meaning. When Joseph saw them the next morning, he noticed that they were a little bit glum. Why do you look so worried today, he asked them. Uh, cause we're in prison? What's got you down? I can just imagine Joseph whistling while he walks to their cells. Right? Maybe a little jump and a heel click. What's got you down, guys? Well, we had these dreams. And they replied, we both had dreams last night, but no one can tell us what they mean. No one? Who were you with, guys? Like, there's not, I don't think there's a lot of wise men hanging out in prison. No one. So dramatic. No one could tell us what they mean. Interpreting dreams is God's business. Ooh, we're so close, Joseph. We're so close. Interpreting dreams is God's business. Maybe, just maybe, he's going to pass this test, guys. Go ahead and tell me your dreams. Didn't you just say that it was God's business? Have you ever heard somebody say something, and then in the next sentence you're like, those two sentences don't go together. <laughs> Interpreting dreams is God's business. Can I help you? I'm open for business. They tell him the dream, Joseph interprets the dream, and sure enough, it comes to pass, and Joseph is kicking, clawing, trying to get out of prison, and he says to the guy who's not going to die, hey, can you please tell Pharaoh that I'm a good person, please? On, like, can I get out on probation, on good behavior? Please, just please write a letter of recommendation. The guy gets out and completely forgets about Joseph. We catch up with him in verse four, or Genesis 41. Two full years later. Two full years later. Has anybody been in a pit for two years since COVID started? <laughs> it has been a long time. Two years. Can I get an amen from anybody? Is it possible that God was like, man, you were so close. He's so close. 
to actually trusting in me. He was halfway there, which is still an F on the test, right? A 50% still gets you no points. He's so close. He's so close. At least, at least this time he says, maybe just maybe the gifts that God has given me of being a dreamer, of interpreting dreams, I'm going to at least acknowledge that I'm in the department of God. Two full years later, Pharaoh has this dream. He actually has two different dreams. And this time, Pharaoh does have everybody. He asks all the wise men, all the magicians, every prophet he can find, and nobody can interpret the dream. And then, light bulb, the cupbearer who's been sitting there twiddling his thumbs, you know, hmm, this is a good year, right? He's sitting over on the side. He's watching all this happen. And then he's like, Oh, I remember this guy down in the pit. And he told me about his God and how his God is in charge of dreams. And I told him his dream and it worked out for me, not the baker. Um, I'll just ruin the story. The baker lost his head. Maybe we should ask this guy. So he says, hey, Pharaoh, ah, gosh, man, I apologize. I know a guy. This whole, and the Pharaoh's like, really? You know a guy that can interpret dreams, and we've been hanging out with these idiots this whole time? Go get that guy. So they pull Joseph out. He does a quick shave, puts on some fresh threads. And we're going to catch up with him in Genesis 41. Let's just start in 14. Pharaoh sent for Joseph at once. He was quickly brought before the, brought from the prison. After he shaved and cl- changed his clothes, he went in and stood before Pharaoh. Then Pharaoh said to Joseph, I had a dream last night, and no one here can tell me what it means. But I have heard that you hear, that when you hear about a dream, you can interpret it. Oh, boy. Okay. Does anybody watch basketball? Nobody? Okay. Has any, I know Luke does, okay? Does anybody watch basketball and all the money's on the line, it's at the end of the game and somebody fouls somebody and it's down to like one point and the free throw, right? And they have those big little, what are, they, what are those things called? Clappers. And they're just ah, behind, you know, and it's super confusing and everybody on, if it's your team, you're like, come on, come on, you can do it, buddy. You can do it. And it's, Shaq, and it's, you know it's not going to happen, right? I know, I just told everybody how old I am. Okay, but, and if he's not on your team, you're like, come on, be an idiot, be an idiot, be an idiot, do the wrong thing, do the wrong thing. Pharaoh sets him up. Joseph's there. He's on the line. The ref passes him the ball. He spins, spins, here we go. Joseph, are you going to be an idiot? Or are you going to trust in God? The entire arena holds its breath. Verse 16. It is beyond my power to do this, Joseph replied. But God can tell you what it means and set you at ease. Good job, Joe. Way to go, buddy. 
We're so proud of you. It actually says that he's 30 at this point. When we got him at the beginning of the story, he was 17. This is 13 agonizing years of being stupid. In and out and in and out and in and out. Sadly, it's been longer than that for me, and I am still an idiot sometimes. Come on, the Proverbs where it says I am too stupid to be a man. Come on, that, I connect with this. That's why I have to be here every Sunday to remember that it, it is not about me. I am not that bright. I am not that good looking. I am not that funny. Appreciate those charity laughs. God is bright. Come on. God is strong. God can take mysteries and make them clear. We can take things clear and make them mysteries. Amen? Have you ever looked at your child and you explained the wisdom of the Lord and they look more confused after you were talking? It is a gift that I have. Joseph finally says, hey, that's not my department, but I know the guy whose it is. That's not my department. It's not my job, but I know the guy who it is. Let me point you to him. Good news. Joseph gets elevated again. He interprets Pharaoh's dream. He gets elevated to the same place as he was in Potiphar, but instead of just Potiphar's house, it's the entire country of Egypt. And the only person who has more power than him is Pharaoh. And let's fast forward to when his terrible blankety-blank brothers show up, hat in hand, asking for things. Joseph does not act like the 17-year-old punk that they met and threw into a pit. Joseph does not act like the kid that is tested in Potiphar's house and tested in prison. Joseph, what does Joseph do? Joseph trusts in God. And he extends grace and forgiveness instead of doling out judgment. Even though he has everything at his disposal. Hebrews 11.1 1 says this, faith is the confidence that we have. No, that's not right. Faith is the confidence that we hope for, that what we hope for will actually happen. I'm going to say that Joseph was confident that he was going to be the heir apparent. Joseph was confident that he was going to make his way out of that pit and his dad was going to come get him. Joseph was confident that he was good at his job and Potiphar was going to keep him. Joseph was confident when he was in the prison that everything was going to work out. So much so that he kind of gave credit to God and kind of gave credit to himself and then slipped the guy on his way out and like, hey, help a brother out. And it wasn't until he got to Pharaoh that he passed the test and he said, you know, maybe trusting myself isn't working out so good. Maybe I'm just a person. Maybe I'm just a man. 
Maybe, just maybe, there is a God in heaven that is bigger than me, and he can do anything, no matter what it looks like. Faith is the confidence that what we hope for will actually happen. It gives us assurance about things we cannot see. And then the author of Hebrews goes through and he talks about it was by faith that Abel, it was by faith that Enoch, it was by faith that Noah, it was by faith that Abraham. All, verse 13, all these people died still believing what God had promised them. They did not receive what was promised, but they saw it all from a distance and welcomed it. They agreed that they were foreigners and nomads here on earth. They agreed that even though they couldn't see what was going on, that they were going to die Everything that God had promised, that they believed God could still do it. Our God does not stop working when we die. Come on. Our God is bigger than death. Our God is bigger than just life here on earth. Our God is a big, big God. All of these people had faith that their God was a big God. Verse 22, it was by faith that Joseph, when he was about to die, said confidently that the people of Israel would leave Egypt. He even commanded them to take his bones with them when they left. The last pit that Joseph ended up in was his tomb. And when he was right before he was going to get there, He knew the story of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He knew that God had promised them this promised land. He knew that they were the chosen ones. He knew that God had picked their line specifically to bless them and not curse them. And he knew that Egypt was not the best for them. But he knew he was also about to die. So what did he do? He said, hey, guys, we're going to trust God's story. We're going to trust God. I know it looks pretty dim. I'm probably going to die soon. But I want to be there when God fulfills his promise. So he says, by faith, he was laid in the grave, the last pit. He was put in the grave, and he said, hey, I want to go where God's people are going. So whenever God shows up, come on, whenever God shows up, whenever God shows up, Not when I want him to show up, when I'm in a cistern that my brothers threw me in. Not when I get thrown into prison and I am there for a long time. Has anybody ever been mad at God before because he was a lot late? Not a little late, but a lot late. (laughs) Two years is a long time. Joseph said, whenever God shows up, I want to be with him. When Moses took the Israelites out of Egypt, it actually says they remembered Joseph. They remembered Joseph. He was just a bag of bones. They remembered him and they brought him into the promised land. Whenever God shows up. Are we a people that are willing to rely on whenever God shows up? Or just when it is convenient for us, just when it elevates us, 
just when it fills our bank account up, just when we get to feel good about ourselves. The author of Hebrews in Hebrews 12 says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up. What does it look like to have faith in God today? Because from where I'm standing, no one here is in prison, which is great. We should all clap. Good job. I think it is bad to break the law and to get put in prison. Okay? What? What sin so easily trips you up? I don't know. But I'm going to tell you what trips me up. It is thinking that I am hot stuff. It is thinking that I'm a pretty bright person. It is thinking that I can work hard enough. Right? I can win friends and influence people enough. I can do the right thing. I can elevate myself. Am I the only person here? That when there's a shortage, it's like, all right, I'm going to grab a second job. Come on. I'm going to stay up late at night, early in the morning, worrying about how I can fix this problem. In the Lord's Prayer, there's this thing that has just been grinding my gears. I really, really like cutting firewood. Anybody? And there's only one way to cut firewood, and that is with a powered chainsaw. Come on. And early on, somebody gave me a chainsaw, and I was using it, and I was just like, I mean, the thing was smoking, and I was just, Wah! right? We've got two inches into this soft wood. I didn't know what was going on, and so I asked my buddy that gave me the saw, who's a logger, and he was like, well, I mean, have you sharpened the chain? What? I just thought I was responsible for putting gas in it and pulling the trigger. So he comes over, he uses it for half a second, he's like, this is garbage. Not the saw that I gave you, but the chain. He gives me his that he had just been cutting with. And I was like, this is like a hot butter knife through butter. God has been using the Lord's Prayer. God has been using Jesus' words where he says, don't worry about anything. But does that mean like anything, anything, or just like the little anythings? On. Am I the only person? And God has been using the in the Lord's Prayer where it says, give us our daily bread that today has enough troubles of its own. 
Don't worry about anything. I've got you. 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 Um, but I don't know how I'm going to pay my mortgage. But my spouse has left me. But, 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 but. Come on. Right? Anybody else rationalize why it's okay for us to worry about the things that are in our lives? All right, this is the part, guys. This is the part that I hate, that Pastor Andy loves. It's the part where I tell you what to do. Okay? He loves it. He lives for it. Look at him. He's just grinning like a kid on Christmas. Here, you come do my job. I've spent enough time with people, drinking coffee, having meals, crying with people, sitting at memorials, reading authentic, real, vulnerable posts online, prayer requests that come in, that most of us have a problem with at least one person in our life. Most of us, and I was being very generous, most of us have a problem with at least five people in our lives. Somebody did us wrong. Somebody overlooked us. Somebody didn't see our potential. We didn't get picked for that spot, for that promotion. So-and-so doesn't treat me right. And maybe, if you're anything like me, you've had unpleasant thoughts about them. (laughs) Maybe even voiced it to a friend or two about, we can't cuss up here, so (laughs) you just use your imagination. (laughs) But the general gist is that those people deserve what's coming to them. And I'm going to decide what they deserve. And I'm going to use my mouth to tear them down and to point out every flaw, every mistake, every time that they were unrighteous, evil, this and that. So today, we're going to use the file that Sharpens a a chain. Has anybody ever sharpened a chain before? It's an unpleasant process for the chain. Filings go everywhere. But slowly, surely, it gets sharper and sharper and sharper for the purpose that it was made for. What are Jesus' followers made for 
We are made to follow Jesus and to become like him. What did Jesus do when legitimately he could have cursed the people that were putting to death God? But what did he do? God forgive them. Curse. Not curse. Bless those that curse you. Bless those that persecute you. Bless those that look over you. Bless those who don't esteem you. Bless those who go past you and ignore you. And come on. Bless those greedy mortgage lenders. I'm going to challenge you this week, all right? And that's like bare minimum challenge. I'm going to challenge you to write this verse down when you get home with an actual pen and an actual piece of paper, okay? Your phone isn't even real, all right? (laughs) Copying and pasting it out of your Bible app doesn't count. Okay, actually write it down and I want you to carry it with you in your purse, in your pocket, tape it up to your bathroom mirror. And every morning I want you to go into the day with this thinking about those people that overlook us. Thinking about the people who put us in this terrible situation. Thinking about the people who betrayed us. Thinking about the people that we don't like just because we don't like them. May the Lord bless you, even though those are not the thoughts I have for you. May the Lord bless you and protect you. May the Lord smile on you and be gracious to you. May the Lord show you his favor and give you his peace. What if we put all those people in God's hands? What if instead of taking God's job of judging people and tearing them down and talking about them and gossiping about them and slandering them, what if God's people were people builders? We say, let the Lord bless you. Let the Lord protect you. Thinking about your boss, may the Lord's face smile on you. Thinking about that person in your family that you are sick to your stomach to see at this family reunion. May the Lord bless you and protect you. May the Lord smile on you and be gracious to you. May the Lord show you his favor and give you his peace. Let us be practicer. That's not a word. Let us practice righteousness. Let us practice righteousness. Let us practice acting like Jesus and decide that that department, it's not us. We're not that great. We're not that bright. But God is, and God can take care of it whenever he wants to show up. Amen?
Kayla, you want to come on up? to preach for an hour. <laughs> Woo! Would you bow your heads, close your eyes. I want you to think about that person that has, or at least that you think has thrown you in a pit, that has pushed you or stabbed you in the back, that has sinned against you, that has caused problems for you and your loved ones? Are we willing to let God shape us into the purpose that he created us for, which was to bring life and life abundantly, to build people up? That is our job, to be made in the image of Jesus to forgive those that don't know what they're doing and to bless those that know what they're doing. Do you have that person in mind? Do you have those people in mind that maybe you have said a few choice words about? Let us strip off every weight that gets in the way of us looking like Jesus that gets in the way of keeping our eyes on Jesus. Jesus. I'm going to pray this prayer over you. I pray that from God's glorious and unlimited resources that he will empower you with inner strength through his spirit. We are able to bless people because God has blessed us. We are able to bless people because God from his glorious riches and strength can fill us up to look like him. But only if we trust him. Only if we put our confidence in him and not us. Lord, we ask that we would be faithful to you. We would be faithful to trust you. God, that whenever we are tempted to trust in ourselves and do more and more and more, do what we think is right, God, redirect us back to you. Keep our eyes on you, Jesus. Ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. New life, may the Lord bless you and keep you. Have a great, great week.